Welcome back to the Secret Society of Success. In this not-so-secret podcast, we explore the changing landscape of corporate learning and development so that you can bring successful L&D to your organizations. Here in season three, we're taking on a very hot and controversial topic, generative artificial intelligence. In each episode, we'll be talking to different L&D experts about what generative AI is, how it is already being deployed for learning design and administration today, and frankly, whether or not you should be scared. Oh, by the way, we use ChatGPT to write this intro. Hey, Aaron, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, Tom. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Before we jump into our discussion on uh, the scary thing that is AI, uh, why don't you give the audience a little bit uh, more about your background in L&D? Sure. Um, well, like many L&D professionals, I have a meandering and diverse path <laughs> and found myself needing to do things differently uh, throughout various spots in my career. I actually started out uh, training citizens in like grassroots lobbying and then did things like teaching English over in China. So that led to adult education and getting to work internally at companies like Boeing and Microsoft and bridging like technology and um, working on leadership development and power skills. Um, I do some coaching and I actually hung out my own shingle as Ablent Learning Innovation. I've spent about 10 years really focusing on innovation, fostering cultures of innovation, teaching others how to innovate, leaning hard on my background and certifications in things like design sprints and design thinking. And um, so it's kind of L&D adjacent, but also a natural extension of some of those skills that we we foster as L&D pros. Awesome. So you know, where we want to dive the conversation today is really all about artificial intelligence. I think, um, you know, as we were preparing... Uh, you shared a bunch of examples from your experience recently, like Leonard Palooza. This has become a buzzword in the world of L&D, right? And I think where we'd like to explore today is not just the viewpoints and impact, but also the emotions for a lot of our target audience, right? And our target audience, you know, in this podcast are an L&D department of one, right? Or an under-resourced group where they're, you know, mid-level uh, L&D professional trying to grow their career. And now there's this really scary thing out there called artificial intelligence that's coming to take your job or whatever you might believe. So I'd love to start there. Like, what are you hearing in the world? Is is AI scary? 100%. No, I love the question. And I think, you know, it depends is the, is the <laughs> complex nuanced answer. And, you know, as a glass half full optimist, I would say, uh, in a word, no, but let's hold some space for people to experience those emotions that you were just talking about. So um, I started kind of having conversations with various people in my uh, network and and not just learning and development professionals, but people like uh, I have a dear friend who runs the hackathon at Microsoft and works in innovation. And we were just like looking at all of those headlines that were coming out like you know chat gpt or you know ai is more creative than humans and better at solving creative problems and it's just like oh my gosh that's kind of inherently one of our human domains what do you mean and then you dig into a headline like that and it's like okay it's maybe not so serious because headlines by nature are incendiary and supposed to grab your attention but then there's real headlines like some of the the need for upskilling and reskilling, like from LinkedIn, you know, they're doing their reports 
pretty regularly talking to managers about like, hey, what are the skills you're looking for? We're seeing um, more jobs requiring some sort of familiarity with generative AI, um, more job descriptions. And, you know, that's that's the real landscape. And I think it's it's a corollary to history, right, where we've seen things like manufacturing change or we've seen the introduction of technology even in learning and development like AR, VR, or, or, you know, even a learning management system. And it creates some very reasonable emotions. As a human-centered designer, as somebody who deeply tries to understand where are the pain points, where are the frictions, where are some of those emotions that lead to the behaviors that we're either seeking to change or harness the best of, then I think it's really important to, to go ahead and slow down and ask this question and hold some space for you know, is it, is it scary? So at like Learnapalooza, I did a session on this, you know, how do we harness humans as analog solutions, you know, the analog corollary, (laughs) but, um, you know, we're really more augmented than analog. And I see AI as a tool. I'm an optimist. I think it's, it's a real ally for those learning and development professionals that you were describing. And I'm, yeah, I'm really hopeful. And that's the message that I've been trying to put out and cultivate while, honoring some of the the scariness. I, I really appreciate that perspective. I think it's an emotional reaction of fear is is just that, right? <laughs> and, and and you have to acknowledge its existence before you can even take a step to to maybe help someone have a different perception that it doesn't need to be scary. In fact, it it can be a tool. Um what did your, you know, what were you hearing from the audience in your experience at Learnapalooza, right? Like what was that reaction? Was it fear? Yeah, I really liked that I got some great feedback even in the moment saying like I really appreciated your perspective. It was a little less uh, chicken little the sky is falling. So, um, you know, there's a there's a spectrum of voices and like our keynote speaker, um Brandon Carson from Starbucks was just like, "Hey, you know, wake up call people and his points were super legit and on point but you know it might have been again kind of like those incendiary headlines just a little like deer in headlights what what does that mean for me lnd department right. of one or company that is not letting me even play with these tools so where do i even start i asked my um participants like even just let's start with how familiar are you and i got stats like um, 69% said that they've experimented a bit. And I think that maps pretty well to the yeah. bell curve of like our, our industry. But then I also asked like, what concerns you about AI after those, like I shared some of those headlines and, you know, again, thoughtful, nuanced responses, like, you know, we're taking the power out of the human touch. So exactly what we're talking about or replace the components of my job that I enjoy the most or make me the most valuable, like totally understandable. And then other people were citing things like ethics and sort of the transparency and the bias, the uh, biasy issues that we're seeing with with generative AI. So thoughtful yeah. responses um, definitely, again, kind of ran, ran the gamut of, ran the yeah, gamut. I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think about this change in the context of other changes, right? You know, I think that in the L&D space specifically, you know, there there are some seminal technology moments, right? I guess technically it probably date all the way back to the internet <laughs> as a pretty start, as a, as a big starting seminal one. Yeah. Or even recently, remember how much we were scared of like cell phones and like how integral those are to our lives now. Right, right. <laughs> it did both on a personal and professional level, right? And then also, uh, you know, the, the idea of 
LMS technology and AR and VR, like you like you said recently, right? These are these are big technological advances that are ultimately have occurred already and had had some impact. Um, probably some out less than was believed at the beginning <laughs> on all L and D professionals. How, how is this AI change significantly different than those? Yeah, I think that's a good question. And I don't know if I have all the answers. Well, I would never claim to have all the answers, but I was thinking about this a little bit the other day where what we saw was maybe less of the speed and the pace concerns with some of those implementations. So something like an LMS, that's also going to hang with like your content management strategy. And so I think, again, like we're we're looking at like, what is the AI strategy that then will fold into your overarching learning strategy and change management and upskilling and reskilling and workforce development concerns? Because it's just, it's moving so quickly right now that I think people are really feeling like they need to get out ahead of it. Whereas those other technologies you mentioned, you know, some some of our our colleagues really struggled to ever see any application for XR. Like it just wasn't relevant in their you know their particular L and D department or company or or industry. So you know, I just I think this is applicable AI. Unlike those, is going to touch everybody one way or another. And there's so much power, like you like the ramp up and the ability to access what what we have at our fingertips now is also. I think a lot more accessible than some of those earlier technologies. So again, I'm I'm feeling pretty optimistic, but then we as learning and development professionals, I think are uniquely poised to, you know, shepherd in some of that change, be at the the tip of the spear for some of those strategy conversations hopefully, which I know we struggle in L&D, sometimes we struggle mm-hmm. to get a seat at that strategy table, but you know, instead of order taking, maybe we can inform it. We can we can convene an internal AI group or start doing AI user groups for you know for L and D pros and see you know like let's see what the the collective body is doing and and what are the use cases and then we can we can implement them quickly in our own environments. Yeah, being the thought leader as it relates to AI is is an interesting one, right? At the end of the day, as a learning and development professional, what our audience has, has learned or evolved to do for a living is actually help um, other people, help and understand other people's subject matter, become subject matter experts, but really where they add value is is, is getting others up to speed on it, right? Mm-hmm. So um, not, you know, you don't need to be the person uh, building a generative AI tool or building the next chat GPT to teach someone about chat GPT. And I think that um, that, that call to the audience is a takeaway of, saying, hey, maybe um, instead of keeping this uh, potentially powerful resource at arm's length, you know, jump in and, yeah. and, and, and make it accessible to the organization and be a change agent for the organization um, and help it, it be a tool and harness it as a tool. What does it actually do as a tool for an L&D professional? Where do you see that and where have you started to see that fit in um, as a specific resource that someone can use to make their L&D department of one that much more impactful or efficient. Yeah, absolutely. And I love this question. And I think your other guests have also done some great answers. So apologies if I if I end up repeating because there is some real low-hanging fruit. And again, I would see AI as a co-pilot or a trusted colleague and 
there's a lot of isolation when you are a learning development professional of one, or even just there's isolation because so many people are just doing so much, right? Like how many people, you know, feel like they're doing like 1.5 FTEs worth of a job. And sometimes it's hard to even grab that colleague or, you know, ping him on IM or Slack or whatever and just be like, hey, I need you for a thought partner. This is partially solved, <laughs> that that lack of a thought partner, because <laughs> everybody's so busy, is absolutely partially solved by Ellen, uh, by ChatGPT and, and other AI tools. Um, I feel like it's always there. It's 24 hours. So when you get that like shower thought or early morning, you know, brainstorm, you're noodling on like, oh, okay, what do I want to do for this learning project that I'm working on? You know, you can turn to cloud or Bard or chat GPT and, you know, start brainstorming. And so again, as an innovation person, I love anything that helps us brainstorm because that divergence and convergence is how we get to the good stuff. So that's a, that's a super easy one. It's just like, just experiment with using generative AI tools like ChatGPT to brainstorm. Like, give me some of your best uh, examples of how I might be able to do, um, you know, scenarios for call center folks and um, help generate some scripts or something like that. And then just yep. see, or like, give me a hundred bad ideas so that I can walk in and and like, you know, with some levity, you know, talk about like all the things we won't be doing because that's also kind of a fun way to back into change management or get stakeholder buy-in. Um, one of the first uses we did in a company that I worked for about six months ago, um, or I left about six months ago, is we just started using it for what Brene Brown calls the crappy first draft. And we would use it for things like first pass on uh, updated Bloom's taxonomy, taxonomy uh, learning objectives. And we would just give it a little bit of context. We're, again, working with ChatGPT, the first versions. And it was a pretty powerful tool for like developing learning objectives. Um, I've always struggled with things like scenario-based learning. Like it's pretty complex, you know, and I kind of, how do you think through all of that? That is the time to development on things like that. Totally accelerated, totally truncated. Um, uh, remember how you couldn't get a hold of SMEs all the time to really check like knowledge check questions with them. Like, I think this is a good distractor question, but I'm not sure. Again, ChatGPT, great co-pilot for doing things like knowledge check questions that are pretty good. And then you just quickly verify them with your SME. Yeah, I think those are some really good examples. As you perfectly outlined, there's a number of opportunities where you can make yourself more efficient, right? Um, mm -hmm. I particularly appreciate the call out of using a tool like a chat GPT to do things that you don't enjoy as much, mm -hmm. right? To help you generate, you know, specific outlines for a very detailed scenario-based learning environment that, you know, frankly, is not your favorite. It's it's part of your responsibility. Doesn't mean the job's going away. You got it. There's plenty of parts of all of our jobs, I think, that, you know, have to get done. Um, you know, maybe that's a great place to look and say, how can I help let AI help me do this faster so that I could spend more time on the parts of my job that I personally enjoy and I probably, you know, you can use to add um, more value to the business. Where is it probably not the right tool? Where is it not actually going? Yeah, I love that. And I think that the the not field is shrinking fast every day. Like, again, just some of the stuff I'm tracking and in, in the discourse. But no, you absolutely articulated it well, like AI as an enabler, not a replacer, 
right? And I think that we should, you know, like I've said, we should see it as a, a collaborator, as a trusted uh, trusted colleague and, and co-pilot, as they say. Um, and then, to your point, take over the repetitive and time-consuming tasks, the stuff that's boring, or the stuff that just gives you, like, I think, again, because we're so busy, sometimes the the cognitive load on us means that staring at a blank page is like deer in headlights and yeah. so just that like get that start you know like that creative like let me get something on the canvas so that i can get to the strategy the content development the coaching the like creative collaboration with humans in real time you know that that more evolved stuff and we certainly seen that like um, you know, chatbots have been around for several years, and that was the point, is that that first point of contact is supposed to reduce the lower cognitive tasks that a, a skilled professional needs to address so that they can focus on the escalated issues that require more critical thinking, that require that nuanced human touch, that empathy. And that's what we talked a lot about in my session at Palooza is like, these are the stakes in the ground. I'm going to put people, let's get your reactions. We as humans have in spades something that currently generative AI does not. Doesn't mean it's not going to catch up, but that is creativity. I do think we're inherently more creative. We are the spark. The pattern seeker and viewer in a human context is different than pattern seeking and viewing in generative AI, AI's context. So that pattern seeking together can be like a an amplifying force. Right. I think we are inherently high empathy, right? Like, again, AI is catching up. It's actually using high empathy language and getting good human responses. So it's I'm, I'm tracking that. I'm very curious to see where that goes. But I would still say humans are better at empathy. And you might even be able to use something like generative AI to coach you on how to be more empathetic if that's not something that you really lean into. <laughs> Maybe you're a more process-oriented person. Um, and then finally, I just think we are practicing discernment, right? So whatever generative AI puts out, it tends to be um, sort of lowest common denominator or the middle of the bell curve, like the, you know, the middle of the cloud of information that it's pulling from. And so we can push it and nudge it and get those nuances like, okay, well, you know, let's, let's grab something over here, a little more esoteric. I really do need you to like do this in the vein of Shakespeare, or I need you to do it in the vein of, you know, Snoop Dogg for whatever right. reason, uh, <laughs> and not just like this generic, you know, kind of lowest common denominator, basic average response. And that discernment is where, again, we're kind of leaning on creativity and, right. you know, going somewhere maybe unexpected. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting point. The word you keep going back to through the conversation is empathy, mm -hmm. you know, and, and where that line is drawn. And that empathy gap is very compelling, right? Because even in the ability to use something like ChatGPT to generate a more empathetic or focused bit of content, if you will, for lack of a better term, the actual prompter needs to, as you as you just suggested, give the right guidance, right? Like the tone I want is Snoop Dogg. It's not a maybe professor. 
maybe your research and like you've developed a persona where that's exactly what's going to speak to the head and heart of your learner. Like maybe that that is your nuanced understanding of that learner. I'm not, you know, (laughs) there may be a universe in which that exists. So to your point about like, you know, using data and our pre-work to understand our learners deeply, then we can harness the power of the generative AI to speak to what we understand those needs might be. And again, nuance it, finesse it. Yeah. 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 And I think it's interesting too, in that, you know, it's a tool, what I've been hearing a lot from our other um, speakers and guests on the topic uh, is that, you know, this is a tool that'll help you complete tasks, right? There are tasks that are part of your role, whether that's uh, creating lists, organizing information, even generating content, which is a huge part of what (laughs) this audience does. Um, It will help you do that and help you do that more efficiently, right? Um, You know, but if if you're the L&D department of one, as an example, um, you know, there's going to be delivery of content in some way, shape or form. And there's going to be some amount of empathy that is going to be required to deliver that most effectively and resonate with the not just the head, but also the heart of the audience where you really get to unlock the the most meaningful uh, learning experiences. Right. And I think that. To me, at least what I've taken away from most of the conversations, I think what I'm hearing you say and what you've taken away from many conversations as well is that that's the uniquely human part of this whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and and it, it, it's really hard to see how that goes away because you're not communicating on the other side to a bot, <laughs> to to artificial intelligence. You're communicating to a human being, right? So right. Um, right. I, one thing I've experienced through my, where I've always said and taught in my you know, my day-to-day profession is managing and leading salespeople. Empathy is very lost in email, right? I always, I've, I've always told anybody who's worked for me in any organization that when, when in doubt, you need to get on the phone, pick up the phone or, or get on a Zoom because, yeah. you know, the empathy that exists and the tone that exists in an email is actually driven by the reader, not really the writer. Now, when you get to do this and have a human interaction, that can be different. Yeah. Right. You can clearly communicate things in a way that you use your voice, you use inflection, eye contact, other things like that. Um, and that is a uniquely human part of this that, that, you know, at some point, maybe, but today, I think is a gap for, uh, you know, for us to hopefully feel a little bit more comfortable with, um, with the tool and keeping an understanding that the tool is a, um, an additive supplement to make our, ourselves more effective. Yeah. More efficient. Well, I think you're even kind of dovetailing back into discernment because like the the gifted salesperson kind of has the agility to move up and down on the spectrum of understanding the needs of that, you know, the other person, uh, the person on the other side of that call. For something like using generative AI tools, the human being is going to have to help nudge the tool up and down that right. same spectrum or right. across the spectrum. So that's 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 where we're, you know, again, we're learning on leaning on that discernment part as much as the empathy. And I think um there was just one thing that you said that I I wanted to like double click on or or underscore, which is I think we as learning and development professionals, you know, this this is not going away. It's going to get more prevalent. We understand that the workforce needs to be upskilled and reskilled. So what an opportunity for us to understand AI's capabilities and limitations to your point, and then how to interact with those systems effectively. And then again, make recommendations to, you know, our, our employers and and our bosses and our leaders as they're developing their strategies so that, you know, again, maybe we get even more of a seat at the table. And now, 
a message from Mimeo, your podcast sponsor. Joe Sittler kept working past 8 p.m. on Friday nights. As sales development manager at Spring Venture Group, he was responsible for training hundreds of new salespeople every month on up-to-date, customized training materials. The problem was that his local printer couldn't handle all his document updates. For each batch of new hires, he had to spend hours emailing the printer about which pages needed to be replaced. Worse, he had to place his order at least a week in advance, meaning that sometimes he sent his new hires outdated information. That's when Joe found Mimeo. Now he creates workbooks nearly twice the size at half the price of his previous vendor. The best part? Joe's new hires order their workbooks directly from Mimeo for delivery to their doorsteps, taking all the hassle of shipping out of Joe's hands. His Friday nights are finally free. Read Joe's full story at bit.ly slash mimeoprint or call 901-566-8900 to speak to a rep today. That's bit.ly forward slash m-i-m-e-o-p-r-i-n-t. And now back to your episode. Yeah, it's Aaron, I think it's a great takeaway. As an L&D department of Walmart, you get to make the choice. Generative AI thing is scary and I won't be able to use it because I don't want to because it's going to replace me. If I let it come anywhere near me, it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to come get me, right? Or you can get really curious and you can start to integrate it into your day-to-day. And mm-hmm. then once you've done that, your ability, because you're uniquely creative as an L&D professional and, and, and you know, might most likely extremely empathetic and have an audience that you serve that you understand quite well, you start to apply it to your day-to-day and then you'll start to draw correlations and see ways, oh, I, I did this here. This would be a perfect way for my sales leader to generate you know, a training for their sales team or email scripts or whatever it is, right? And, and then empower your ability to make recommendations as you suggested to the organization to say, yeah, here's how I did this well here, which is great because then that's going to build more trust and credibility as you provide best practices to everybody else in the organization on how this is a valuable tool and how it'll make them you know, better at their jobs. Yeah. I love that you said that because um, that's actually a recommendation from a lot of people who are much smarter than I, whether it's the Ethan Mollocks or the other other folks who in the space um, where they're like, hey, if you're not using it at work, you know, there's policies or whatever, then absolutely just start with your own life. You know, have it help you. And we see these examples. Have it help you plan a vacation, you know, make recommendations for the perfect off the beaten path three-day itinerary in Venice, Italy or something like Ooh, that. You might borrow or, that one. I haven't thought of it. That <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I've, I've heard people have had great results. Uh, one of my earliest use cases, because I, you know, I wasn't quite sure how to use it at work yet was I have a friend who's a writer and I wanted to do sort of a thoughtful gift for her. And I worked with early chat GPT to be like, my friend is a writer, you know, help me come up with some ideas. And it, you know, recommended like 10 creative things. And I could double click on a, you know, a couple, you know, some of them were kind of generic, maybe something I could have come up with on my own, but there were a couple that I was like, Ooh, let's pull on that thread. And so several more prompts later, I ended up with, um, you know, just a list of creative writing prompts that I could print out and put on, you know, little slips of paper that I put in a jar for her and then gave her as like, hey, when oh, you need cool. creative prompts for yeah. your writing and creativity, I made this for you based on like what I know about you and and sort of taking 
you know, the best of the best and not your generic creative writing prompts that you could just find on a website or whatever. Like yeah. I kind of collated all of them. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to emphasize like if you're, yeah, if you're not using it even in your own day to day life, I think parents are using it with their kids for like creative storytelling and writing and things like that. You know, and then with new chat GPT with the conversation mode, if you're on the, you know, the paid version, um, yeah, there's great potential there for even just like a more interactive conversational um, use of, of the technology. That's cool. I love that story, that example. And the, the story of the gift's a good one. You shared a story, a handful of stories or specific examples of uh, people in the space using it, using AI as a tool you know, to make an impact in their organization in very specific ways. One of those uh, that I I wrote down and I'd love to you know double click on and drill into is um, using it to actually develop a, a learning persona. Um, you know, that should hopefully resonate with the audience. We actually did an entire season on learning your personas themselves. Could you walk us through that story and, and kind of share you know, the who's, the how's, the what's, the why's and, and kind of some of the results? Yeah, sure. And um, I, to be fair, there are people who are doing an even better job of this than I am. But uh, sort of like the zoomed out version is if you are an L&D professional uh, department of one or a small team, you know, we often have to be sort of full stack developers and not everybody's really great at like data visualization and and data and, you know, analytics. So again, use generative AI to kind of harness the power of data analytics and personas are always based on data. So what data have you collected qualitative, qualitatively, quantitatively? Can you feed something like ChatGPT and ask it to help you sense the patterns? Um, in terms of discernment, I would say, again, we're, we have an opportunity to make sure that we're picking the right personas, right? Like, I think we've heard this from some of your other, other guests, but like... Um, I'm a big fan of like organizational network analysis. Like who are the nodes in an organization? What are the roles that might not even be the highest roles, you know, but maybe more senior or mid that have like the most influence? Where can they actually make the biggest impact? And like, let's make sure we understand those personas or learn more about them to build the, the appropriate persona so that we are having the most, like we're intervening at the most powerful point of impact. So that's just kind of a, a, a general philosophy. But yeah, um, I think a lot of people I know are are using multiple tools. So it might be they take some of that research, they ask ChatGPT to generate, you know, personas. And that means the thoughts and feelings, some of the reactions that they might have to the intervention that you're proposing, um, what what might be the barriers, what might be the resistance that that persona experiences, and make recommendations for how you can overcome those barriers. And then that might lead to some of your strategy and your content development. And then you can leverage even things like mid-journey to make um, images for, you know, these people to give them real, you know, real faces and, yeah. and you know, what we've heard all, all, all these years for product product development and marketing that you know we really need to deeply understand the thoughts feelings reactions um fear risk you know risk aversion and try and move them along the adoption curve of whatever skill behavior you know mindset we're trying to change as learning and development pros so i have a friend that's actually doing a great job with this he's actually using it in his youtube channel and was able to you know just very Ooh. quickly download a template on persona creation specifically for like getting the most out of your YouTube channel in terms of visits, clicks, likes, subscribers, et cetera, and just dump that template into, I think, ChatGPT, the paid version. And yeah, just help them generate 
the people that he knows he wants to hit his audience. So he's always creating content for the right people versus just throwing spaghetti at the wall. So I think that's a great example too. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. And I, I think that there's there's like so many in, in even in that little string, like there's so many takeaways, right? So like first, yeah, let, okay, let's let's go back to a previous season and say you want to focus on persona development, right? A couple of our takeaways from that first were that, you know, that's intensive. That's a lot of work, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's like the work before the work even starts almost, right? Uh, and that can be daunting, especially for our L and D departments of one. So first, you know, the fact that to think to let AI help you with this, hopefully should drop the barrier to entry to to actually create a meaningful persona significantly, which would be a great win, right? Yeah. I think, and then the, the couple very specific takeaways that I heard that you shared was one, um, you know, let a tool like a chat GPT ingest all your inputs, right? Mm-hmm. Don't be the person that spends hours analyzing the inputs and trying to figure it out. Like you have resources like this that you could just push all these inputs in and then prompt out the outputs that you want, right? The outputs being, okay, describe this, you know, persona, right? Or whatever. Tell me the common denominators that I'm seeing across this audience, right? Mm-hmm. Where are the barriers? Where are the risks? Where are they going to be averse? And use that to kind of pull out from the inputs that you shared with, you know, chat GPT as an example. Um, and then the output that you'll get ultimately at the end of the day can be you know, a really detailed persona, right? Yeah. Um, and then if you wanted, you know, frankly, go back to the conversation later and use it to gut check content. <laughs> totally, totally. Right? Or even um, as a consultant, like what are, you know, what is the change management you're trying to help affect with your clients? And so you might have enough of a sense of what the clients, like from a biz dev perspective, what their their pain points are, what their needs are. You don't have all that data yet because you haven't gotten in to do all that collection, but you're in earlier stages of the, the consultancy engagement. Yep. And so, yeah, I might actually just dump it into, you know, like, again, there's this cool new feature, um, newer feature on ChatGPT where you can have it kind of have a conversation with you. And in real language, you might say something like, okay, um, you're Tom. You're the senior VP. What is your title again? <laughs> SVP of strategic accounts. SVP yeah. of strategic. And you um, are interested in my project, implementing a project on um, leveraging ChatGPT for learning and development pros. You're not really sure where to start. And you manage, you know, such and such number of people, uh, the client, right. you know, are driving such and such number of sales. Have a conversation with me about how I can help um, you want to green light this project. And then give me feedback on my answers to the questions and things like that. So, oh wow, crazy. That's that's really interesting. For even things like the layoffs we've been expe- experiencing in our industry, if people are out there job seeking, how might you leverage generative AI tools like the ChatGPT four? So it is the paid version for that conversational feature that I was just talking about to coach you on, you know, interviewing. Right um, interview. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah. ask me questions, let me answer one at a time because you don't want to get overwhelmed. You have to kind of coach the, you know, the AI tools that you're working with to not give you a wall of text or not <laughs> inundate you at first. You know, yeah. ask, use the Socratic method or, you know, use a, a typical star story behavioral interview approach to ask me about my resume. Here's my resume and you upload the resume, things like that. That's great. I love that. Aaron, this is this has been a really good conversation. I, I think you know, some of the things that I heard, hopefully that the audience can take away, you know, first, it's okay to acknowledge 
that this is a potentially scary time, especially with a, a technology that, as you put, you know, look, on the one hand, it's a new technology. And as an L&D professional, um, adopting new technologies that are specific to us are things that we've done before. Helping organizations change and adopt new technologies and implement new technologies organization-wide is something we do for a living, right? Um, but at the same time, this is scary. And it's unique in the fact that the pace of change and innovation in this space is is probably unlike anything we've ever seen, right? Um, at least you know to date. I'm sure, that'll change in the future. Um, it's the beauty of the future. But you know, so look, I think there, as you've put well, I think there's a moment to just acknowledge that that's the reality that we're in. Um, but I think hopefully, as a, a you know, as it seems like you and I are both fellow optimists. There's no reason not to adopt this and and be a change agent alongside um, AI as a tool. And you know, I think you've done an amazing job of giving us countless examples. You know that you could take away tomorrow uh, and use and implement in your life, both personally or professionally. Whether it's uh, using a conversational tool to come up with a, an incredibly creative gift for your friend, uh, or uh, using it to help you prep for a, a job interview, or or build a learning and development persona, right, to to allow you to do your job more effectively. Um, there are really endless amounts of opportunities, and and frankly, uh, the outputs are are probably limited to the prompts and the inputs and the creativity of of you as an individual, right? Which, you know. At least from my experience in, in working with the L and D professionals I have I've worked at in my tenure at Mimeo, um, is really where L and D professionals are at their best. <laughs> it, I agree. It, you know, so if anything, it, you know, hopefully our audience from this conversation and from some of the learnings that you have that you shared uh, feels more empowered uh, than anything, right? Because this is an opportunity in an environment where you know they had they tend to thrive. Um, so you know that should hopefully be a little bit of uh, inspiration for them uh, at the end of the day. Uh, Aaron, any closing thoughts that I think you feel are important for the audience as we wrap up our conversation here today? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, I think it's an interesting tension we're navigating because as you heard me say, like, don't wait, right? Don't get left behind. But also everything's changing so quickly. Like, I think there's a little bit wait for the dust to settle dimension here as well. Don't, for example, if, um, if you can do some experimentation and pick one or two tools and just experiment in your own life, in your own work as it's allowed, just even for, you know, one month or six weeks and collect, you know, collect some data on yourself and your experience with it, you know, take notes, share with friends, whatever, just take one or two tools and, and run with it for a couple of months. Don't spend a bunch of money. Don't do what I've done where I have spent a bunch of money and I have bought a bunch of tools, but I'm, you know, I'm an L and D department of one who's my own consultancy. So like, these are great deductible business expenses <laughs> for many of the tools that we're using. The AI is going to be incorporated. It, the integrations are happening faster than I can even keep up with. Yeah. So, you know, don't spend a bunch of money, kind of wait and see what shakes out. Even tools that we've used in the past are bringing forward AI integrations that you're like, oh, wow, like Loom videos are even cooler to make now and easier to make now or Canva and their AI assistant or um, Drawify has like this great Maya 
Uh, I haven't paid for her, but you know, just really fun opportunities to very quickly develop content, very quickly storyboard, um, be more um, inclusive in like your images and things like that. But a lot of them, you got to pay for it. So let's just wait yep. and see what the integrations look like, you know, for the, for the, for the, the macro suite of tools, whether it's Adobe or PowerPoint or whatever, especially with what Microsoft is doing with their stuff, like just kind of see what you can play with. That's maybe low cost, low barrier to access before you jump into other stuff. I want to give a plug for several resources and I'm going to share them with you, but recently the TLDC um, training, learning, and development um, community did a great series on AI labs where several speakers came and talked over three days. If you have a chance as an L&D professional, go ahead and pony up the membership fee for that organization and go back and watch those videos because that alone was gold. And I just want to give them a huge shout out for like yeah. very quickly curating content because that is, I think, what we do well. And then follow some chat, um, excuse me, follow some thought leaders. I mentioned Ethan Mollick. There's a couple of others that I'll link, but, um, you know, just get the get the newsletters dumped into your email, whether it's Ben's Bytes or um, following um, some of my L&D pros who's, you know, I'll just give you their names and their links. Yeah. Just see what they're doing on LinkedIn. And, and again, don't necessarily pay for the courses and all the things that people in our field are kind of pushing because nobody is an expert yet. And what they pushed out even six months ago on, you know, prompt engineering is already stale. So just work with the tools that we have to sort of learn as you go and then find other people who are in the space, whether it's on LinkedIn or, or these user groups. I'm, I'm going to try and probably start uh, an AI for L&D community in like just even just some free coffee, you know, kind of coffee chat drop in user group type experiences um, in January of next year and see, you know, run that awesome. for a couple months and see if that that has some traction. So I know that was a lot, but I'll give you a bunch of links and and no, hopefully the main great. takeaway is calm down, but also don't wait. Yeah, I, I, I love that. <laughs> Keep calm and carry on with AI. Uh, that'll be the tagline for the for our for our discussion here today. No, I think that's great though. I I really appreciate it, uh, Aaron. We'll grab all of that link information. Um, if the audience wants to find you, uh, and like you mm. said, eventually your community, what's the best place to find find you um, and engage with you? You know, either socially or what have you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, you can always find me on LinkedIn, Aaron Peterschick, spelled like Peter's Chick. Um, I haven't been as active on there as I could be, so I'm going to be, you know, leveraging some of these tools to up my <laughs> content. And um, Ablent Learning Innovation, ablent.com. You can um, always jump on a 20-minute free call with me. Happy to talk through anything, provide some thought partnership, or look for ways that we can creatively work together. Awesome. Well, Aaron, thanks so much for your time today. I know I learned a ton. Hopefully, the audience left uh, feeling empowered to uh, keep calm and carry on with AI wherever you can actually apply it in your life, personally, professionally, wherever. And get yourself comfortable with the tool and uh, you know, hopefully use it to, to make an impact at your organization. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Secret Society of Success, a podcast by Mimeo. To find out more about how corporate L&D teams use Mimeo for smarter content distribution, visit www.mimeo.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to get our episodes as soon as they launch. Enjoy your day.